0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 269, and today we continue the debate about where on Earth we're going, uh, including Gandalf's response to Boromir's... um, the most critical thing that Boromir has said yet. Uh, As Boromir is beginning to speak his mind a little bit more fully, we will see Gandalf's response to that. Uh, so, um, yeah, excellent. Oh, hey, con- uh, congratulations, Bannock's Baker. It's always good to see people who have caught up and are joining us live for the first time. That's always, that's always a lot of fun. The further we get along on this journey, um, the, um, uh, the harder it is, I know, to catch up. And, um, you know, I'm minded of all those things that Bilbo says about the road, right? About the road going on forever and, um, um, You know, that line in the song, now far ahead the road has gone and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with weary feet. I know that's Frodo's version, but anyway. um, (laughs) So, so, uh, uh, so there we are. Um, uh, Anyhow, um, a couple quick announcements tonight. First, um, I wanted to uh, just, we're getting towards the fall moot season now. Um, so, our next uh, moots that are coming up, we've got some uh, really exciting stuff coming and more in the pipeline uh, that we're working on for the for the coming spring. Um, but we are coming to the Pacific Northwest, finally. We're going to do Cascade Moot in September in Portland. Uh, and I'm so excited to go to Portland. I've never been to the Pacific Northwest at all in my life. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be there uh, and to meet many of you there uh, for Cascade Moot uh, in September. And then we're going to go back to Iowa for Middle Moot, always the, our longest running moot. Um, and uh, that is always uh, so much fun uh, to go to. And then uh, we're going to um, we're going to be back here in New, uh, New England Moot here in New Hampshire, um, which is going to be a lot of fun kind of leaning into we're going to be near Halloween. So we're kind of leaning into the uh, the spooky theme uh, for that one. Um, we're going to be um, after that. We're going back to Denver. Um, so the beginning of November will be in Denver Um Uh, For Mountain Moot, again, Uh, looking forward to getting back to the Rockies. I was just visiting the Rockies this past weekend. Um, Was in Montana for the first time. What a beautiful place. Wow. I've I've, uh, rarely been so floored by scenery as I was just being in Montana. It was amazing. Um, But back to Mountain Moot in Denver, which is going to be awesome. That's in November. And then we're going down for something completely different, geographically speaking. Uh, to uh, New Orleans for Bayou Moot uh, at the beginning of December, and then of course Aranas Osmoot Moot uh, down in uh, Sydney in January, and Sunshine Moot uh, in February. I think this year. So um, yeah. Anyway, it is um, it is going to be it is going to be a fun fun Moot season. So. Um, Lots of things going on, and more coming up. We're we're um, we should be able to announce soon. We're almost settled on the details for Potomac Moot. We're going to do a, a regional moot uh, in the uh, in the Mid Atlantic region, in the DC area, in Virginia. Um, we're going to do. Um, we're looking to get back to the southeast. Uh, get, get back down south again. We're looking to to do Magnolia Moot again. Um, we are still thinking about, um, yep, we're trying to get SoCal moot going in the spring too, yep, we're, we're deciding on a date for that one, yep, yep. So, uh, back to, uh, probably the, uh, the San Diego area, um, I'm looking at maybe going back to Carlsbad again, same place we were last time for SoCal moot, um, uh, and of course we're still working on getting a, um, uh, working on getting a Europe moot together. We still want that to happen. And in addition, um, we are also, uh, making some really fun plans, um, for, um, uh, for a Brazil moot, uh, next year, probably next summer, next summer in the Northern hemisphere. Anyway, um, so, um, Yeah, yeah. All kinds of fun things going on uh, in the moot calendar. So I just uh, wanted to make sure that those things were on your radar screen. Another thing I wanted to put on your radar screen, though, I'm not going to talk about it in more detail for a while. I was talking at Mythmoot about some really fun things that we're going to be doing with uh, Signum Press and Signum Studios uh, moving into this fall. Um, And again, I'll I'll, I'll give more details about this later on, Um, but I'm really excited. We have been doing Signum Press stuff for a year, and we are uh, going to be sort of uh, continuing to the next stage uh, of our press experiment, building on what we've learned uh, from the past year. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to telling you more about that when we, uh, when we finalize more details. But um, big things coming up through both studios and press together, uh, and a new opportunity to experience it all. So um, gonna be, uh, gonna be a great, great time. Looking forward to that. Um, all right, let us continue. Um, I wanted to begin with the always modestly perilous undertaking of uh, rereading the previous slide and I'm doing this, we finished pretty much finished talking about this slide but I'm rereading this because in real time it's been three weeks and I barely remember what we were talking about so um, <laughs> let us let us take the risk of um, uh, of rereading this slide and then moving on to the next one. Since our open attempt on the mountain pass, our plight has become more desperate, I fear. I see now little hope if we do not soon vanish from sight for a while and cover our trail. Therefore I advise that we should go neither over the mountains nor round them, but under them. That is a road at, at any rate that the enemy will least expect us to take. We do not know what he expects, said Boromir. He may watch all roads, likely and unlikely. In that case, to enter Moria would be to walk into a trap hardly better than knocking at the gates of the Dark Tower itself. The name of Moria is Black. Okay. Um, uh, so, all right. Yes, <laughs> Jackie, I, I have to think that Tolkien was kind of chuckling when he wrote that sentence. Right? The name of Moria is black. Um, Because, I mean, it's like, it's literally true, right? I mean, that's like a philologist dad joke, that sentence, right? Um, uh, Of course, Moria means the black pit, really, just like the black pit. essentially, right? I mean, more, the M-O-R prefix is really kind of like, that's pretty much the right, blackia, exactly, exactly. Um, But um, uh, Björning, I agree with you that if this is Boromir exasperated, he's still quite well-spoken. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Fourth Thomas asks how many people would have gotten that joke at the time. On the first reading, very few. There have been some hints, Already. Right. I mean, the the M.O.R. Uh, word piece um, is one of the easiest to get just from the context of the um, you know, th- they're always talking about Mordor and the Black Land. Um, uh, but um, uh, uh, anyway, th- 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 there there are lots of places like that where you can get, it's very easy to get from context. I mean, I think from conversation, from my own memories and from conversations I've had with others, for many people, figuring out that MOR means black is one of the first steps that like new readers take in figuring out. The Elf languages, um, because we get it in a couple contexts. We get it with Moria. We get it with Mordor, um, and what's more, we have Mordor and Gondor, um, uh, you know, right next to each other, and with the names closely parallel, right? Um, and you can begin to sort of see how these word elements go together. Um, Tolkien does a great job of um, putting uh, putting that, you know, embedding that stuff into the narrative and making it possible. Not. He's also really good at making sure you don't have to like if you don't care, if you're if you're wholly uninterested in the languages, you don't need to be in order to to get it. Right. There's nothing you're gonna you're gonna lose from the story in the sense of just like you know, parts of the story that themselves will be completely like over your head because you're not um you know, you're not piecing together or, or or decoding right the language bits. Um but the language bits are there, and it certainly does enrich it to be able to, to see that and uh, and understand that. Um, uh, Arden Crayon, what khazad Doom literally translates to is the dwarodelf, um, the dwarf diggings. That's, that's um, um, again, there comes a point when you're reading Tolkien, when you suddenly realize Tolkien is literally giving the translation like he will often do things like that to Kazadum, doom, the Dwarodelf. And it sounds like at first at first glance, you're like, OK, so that's its name in Dwarvish and that's its name in, you know, the common speech. Well, I wonder what the Dwarvish name means. And there comes that moment when you're like, oh, wait, the common speech. That's what it means. Right. It's just it's just a translation. Right. Um, um, so Arden Kran, you would think that the name uh, Khazad-dûm could apply to all Dwarf mines. <laughs> they are all Dwarf-delved, right? But that's kind of the point. Like, this is the delving of the Dwarves, right? The greatest, the foremost, the... Um, you know, none of the others even sort of count compared to... Exactly, the others are a dwarodelph. This is the dwarodelph, Absolutely. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty much that's pretty much the effect here. Um, anyway, uh, so, yes, the name of Moria is black is just a delightful sentence. However, um, recalling some of the things we were saying last time about Boromir, as I said, this is one of the first times Boromir is getting chippy. Right now, I agree with Bjorning that he's still being polite. Right. This is. He's not being rude. He's not being aggressive. Um, he's not even directly. Um, he's not. He's not. Ch- he's not exactly challenging Gandalf's authority. He's not even doing what he might feel himself warranted to do. Um, which is to point to the sketchy leadership record that Gandalf has shown so far right on this trip. Um, you know, he has a list, I think, by now um, of moments when the leadership of this ragtag company has failed, not only failed to cover itself in glory, but has failed to demonstrate what I Suspect Boromir would consider basic competence, right? Um, but he's not doing that either, right? He's not saying like you know, like, you know, okay, Mister, let's let's cross over the Alpine mountains in January. Um, no, like he's not. He's not doing any of that stuff. Um, but he does here contradict and contradict more firmly than he did before. Remember, he began the first part of his objections here with, I do not understand all this, right? Um, And, you know, there he was, um, he was questioning, I mean, he was literally questioning, like, why can't we do this? Um, So he was questioning Gandalf's suggestions, but he couched it in terms of his own lack of understanding, right? Like, I, this, none of this makes sense to me. Right? Um, Perhaps you could explain why it does not make most sense for us to take the most obvious routes, right, uh, towards Minas Tirith. Um, And, um, uh, but now, he, by leading with, we do not know what he expects. He is being more aggressive, more abrasive, even, than he was. But abrasive isn't quite fair. Again, it's still. He's not being impolite yet, um, uh, but he is calling Gandalf for the first time on something that he clearly disagrees with, calling him on it directly. Gandalf has just said, that is a road at any rate that the enemy will least expect us to take. And Boromir says, we do not know what he expects. Um, you're guessing there. You don't, do you have knowledge about what Sauron knows And exactly what Sauron will expect, like maybe. But as he says, he may watch all roads, likely and unlikely. Um, And here I think Boromir has a pretty good point. Um, uh, There aren't so very many roads across the mountains. Um, And are we really going to bank on the fact that Moria will be totally unwatched just because it's unlikely that somebody would try to go that way. Um, and I don't want to lose sight of that initial objection that Boromir makes. Um, because I think when we come around to Gandalf's next response, you know, when we actually start the slide we're talking about today, um, We'll see. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm kind of with Boromir here <laughs> a little bit. Like, I, um, I don't think that Gandalf's refutation of this is very strong at all. Um, the last thing we were emphasizing last time um, to enter Moria would be to walk into a trap hardly better than knocking at the gates of the Dark Tower itself. Um, And we were talking about the way in which he's indirectly throwing shade on their entire quest. Right? Yeah. um, Going into Moria, if Moria is guarded, if Moria is guarded, it's a complete death trap. Um, So we're just going to, we're gambling on the idea that it's not going to be watched or guarded for some reason. Right? Doing that would be really stupid. Do you know how stupid it would be? It would be so stupid that the only thing stupider than that would be, I don't know, taking the ring right into the middle of Sauron's stronghold and no- knocking at his gates, right? I mean, that's, that's how stupid it would be to go through Moria. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, there is a big difference between knocking on the door and sneaking in. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, for that reason, his reference here is sufficiently indirect that as we see, Gandalf is not, he's not going to rise to that directly. Right. Um, Gandalf isn't going to rise to that challenge directly. But I think, again, when you combine two of the things that we were looking at in Boromir's response, one, the fact that all of his proposed um, paths go straight to Minas Tirith, right? He is clearly a, at the least assuming at the most actively angling for the company to go through Minas Tirith. That it would be an assumption that you know, Minas Tirith is the gateway to Mordor. You know, from the west, is totally natural. Again, I don't think that this has to imply any, um, uh, you know, ill will or uh, devious schemes or anything on Boromir's part. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's um, that's perfectly natural that he is not on board with. The hey, let's do the thing that seems foolish and hopeless, um, because that's what the enemy will least expect, and because, um, uh, you know, like we just have to trust that that's going to work out if we do it, right? Um, you know, though, let's do this because it seems like the worst possible idea kind of plan that uh, Elrond and Gandalf were proposing at the, at the council, it does not seem. I see no reason to believe that Boromir is on board with it, even now. Again, I don't believe that that means, as I said last time, that he is conspiring to take the ring for himself. Um, I don't believe that that's the case yet. Um, uh, but... Yeah, um, Evil Doctor Cannon, you're right. Boromir is sensible but not very good at listening to the music. That's the part that he's not getting. Um the the not just the level of Estelle that's required um by the, you know, Elrond and Gandalf strategy, but the sort of Estelle, right? He doesn't see the like what exactly are we trusting in and why, right? Like what's how why should we think that this is this is the right plan? Um and um Kurtzimus is another thing I would add. Kurzimus asks, other than ring reasons, why does Boromir stay? And Arnas said Aragorn reasons, which I agree, um he is coming with Aragorn to Minas Tirith, and I think for lots of reasons. Um no matter no matter with what percentage of his innermost heart Boromir is supportive of Aragorn's claim. Um, I think it may be less than Frodo and Faramir say uh, in their conversation later, but I don't think it's zero. Whatever the percentage is, whether it's small or whether it's large, in either case, he's going to want to get to Minas Tirith when Aragorn does, right? Um, So, um, yeah, yeah. But also, in addition, um, he would also want to help. It's clear that he's trying to be helpful, that he feels a certain responsibility here. Um, He is that the path of the company obviously goes through Minas Tirith. How else would you get to uh, Mordor from the West? Um, And he's going that way anyway. For him to just abandon them, be like, anyway, y'all keep his Sildur's Bane I'm gonna. You, you guys are too slow. And anyway, you guys are going. I'm just gonna go down to the Gap of Rohan because y'all are straight crazy, wanting to go through Moria. Right? He could, in theory, do that. Like he has no oath that compels him to do anything otherwise. But yet, it would be. Um, I. Th- I think it would. It would. It would clearly be a failure. He would have a hard time. I think. Um, And again, and I think that he sees some responsibility of what even there's a sense, isn't there, of some of his contributions so far that he sees himself as like the adult in this group to some extent. If you see what I mean, that's a little strong. But if you see what I mean by that, he's um, like the whole mountaineering thing. Right. The like, um, if we're going to go up over the mountains where we all might die of hypothermia, maybe we should bring firewood. That might be a good idea. Right. Um, And then later on. So we're all on the cusp of dying of hypothermia, or at least the hobbits are. Um, Maybe we should now light the wood that we brought up. Against just such an emergency, right? Um, so I, I, again, I'm not saying that he is the adult in the room, um, but again, he, from his own experience, he um, he has been in charge. He is used to being the one in charge and the one making the decisions. And he seems, as far as we can tell, a good leader. I mean, we have no reason to believe that Boromir is not, in fact, an excellent. Um, an excellent leader. Um, Greystown, yes, he's very much the older brother, right? Um, so, yes, so what I'm saying is, again, I'm trying to imagine even ignoring any question of the attraction of the ring to Boromir, which I do suspect that he's feeling, but he's I think he's not giving into that yet. I don't think I don't see any evidence to believe that his words and actions are being motivated by his desire for the ring in any kind of active way yet. And yet even in the absence of that, even if we imagine a complete absence of that, it's hard to imagine how Boromir would not consider it a deep failure, even an act of cowardice or or possibly, be, you know, betrayal for him to just go off and be like, well, peace out, folks. I'm, I'm uh, going to the gap of Rohan. Have fun in Moria. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yes, Bjarne Sander, that seems perfectly fair to me, um, that his words and actions are motivated by thoughts that later get turned into rationale for taking the ring. Absolutely. Yes, they will be. Um, We can see, I think, the foundations that those thoughts will build on. But he's not there yet. Um, uh, Yeah. And... Matt, I don't know why Aragorn and Gandalf don't suggest bringing the wood, right? Um yeah. And and yes, I agree with Aranas that um Boromir isn't a wall from Gondor from the army. Um he is absent on deployment. Yeah, he was sent uh he was given the quest by the lord of the city. Um is he needed back home? Yes, he absolutely is. But he recognizes between Um, there's this dude coming back who claims to be the heir of Isildur, um, and, uh, the returning king. So maybe, maybe I ought to keep an eye on that guy for one way or not, for one reason or another, right? Like no matter whether he, whether he is or whether he isn't, I should keep an eye on him. Oh, and two, like Isildur's bane, um, you know, the, the, the one ring to rule them all is also here. Um, maybe I should escort that to Gondor, right? That might be uh, uh, that might be, that might be an important thing to do. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Abelard. Yeah. The whole mighty gift thing. That's, that's a Denethorism, right? Um, and yeah. We'll talk more about that when we get closer to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Sorry, I know I'm missing stuff here. Um, right. Two Juice Men was saying, we're not really seeing um, the Amdir estel conflict. Boromir personifies Amdir, and in the end, he is slain. Yeah, I'm not sure I would say... It's not exactly just a personification. Um, I think that... um, uh, But... But, yeah, he is certainly thinking in more practical terms. He is certainly... um, But, again, I, I don't think it's not... I'm trying to identify why I'm not comfortable with that. Why I'm not fully comfortable with it. Again, it, it, it kind of works in some ways. Um, but here's the problem. The problem is it's I don't think that Boromir is rejecting Estelle in favor of Amdir. I think he just doesn't get the Estelle applicability. Right. Um, Estelle is not the same as mere fatalism. It's not just like, well, let's just do whatever because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Right. That's not Estelle. Estelle is trust. But trust in what and for what? Right. Um, and on the basis of what? Right. Um, it's one thing to say, have dear Estelle. Or, or, no, that doesn't work. Estelle is having del, but. Um, dear, but it's different. It's one thing to say have Estel Boromir, um, but what does that mean? How does that translate to? So let's take the ring to Mordor and try to destroy it there, right? You can have Estel, and not see that plan, right? Um, not see how that fits in. Um, and Abalar, that's exactly correct. Estel is usually served up with providence. That's exactly. That's exactly right. The basis of uh, Gandalf and Elrond's plan is on their perception of providence. It's all, you know, it, it starts. At least we first see it with what Gandalf says to Frodo um, back in back in chapter two of Book One, right? Um, that Frodo was meant. To have the ring, this this idea, this perception of providence, right? That something is moving events in this direction. We can perceive the direction in which providence is moving events, and so therefore, we are going to place our estel, our hope and trust in the power, that other power at work, which is moving events. Having perceived the direction in which Providence seems to be going. And I don't see any reason to believe that Boromir sees it. Um, that Boromir believes that or thinks that way. Um, and yes, yes, uh, Bill Huggins, the people of Gondor are aware of Iluvatar and the Valar. We will definitely see some of that stuff. Um, but, um, but yes, I, I, I don't think that Boromir would agree. Um, I, I don't. The reason I think that he's not on the same page, the reason I think he's still not really down with the Mordor plan for the ring. Um, although he's, you know, he's he knows when he's outvoted. Right. Um, and he knows when he's a, an outsider and a, frankly, a marginal figure as he was in the Council of Elrond, right? Um, uh, but, so he didn't say anything. He's not causing trouble. He's being a good soldier, but he, I don't think, was convinced. Um, I don't know. I don't think that Boromir is anti estel I think he might even have estel. I just think his premises would be different. In some ways, I think that his belief in Gondor is based on Estel. I bet you that Boromir has Estelle that Gondor will not fail. That Gondor will not be destroyed. That, I think, is where Boromir's Estelle lies. That's what he would have grown up learning, right, about the history of Gondor, and it's going back to Numenor, and you know, from the, you know the the through line that starts with you know the heroes of, of the Edain of the First Age, through the great and glorious kingdom of Numenor, through the last of the faithful who escape from the downfall of Numenor, all the way through the glorious history of Gondor, and ending in him personally, right um yeah that i think would be what his um what his estel is sort of founded in and of course if it were true right um if it were true that that's if if, if that were right if boromir's estel is grounded in gondor and gondor's survival well guess what it's not wrong, right? That's going to pan out. <laughs> if he has esto in that, it will turn out that his esto was well placed. Um. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, right, Matt. That's exactly it. It is easy t- when you start doing the I'm-going-to-interpret-providence thing, right? There are lots of possible interpretations. The ring has come into our possession just now for a reason, right? Just at the moment of the greatest need of Gondor, when we seem to be opposed by an enemy whom now we are far, you know... Well, I won't say we're weak, because Gondor, uh, Boromir wouldn't say that... Um, but whose strength is insufficient uh, to withstand the attack of the enemy. They do need help, as he admitted at the council. And what has Providence brought them? Great help, right? Um, Maureen, there you go. Exactly. He has this dream, right? And his dream sends him off on this quest. And when he finishes the quest, where does, where, where does the quest lead him? the ring of power, right? There it is. And the sword. Yeah, I know that's what it was actually about. But like, I'm just saying, we're Boromir. This is what that providence could easily look like, right? Um, yeah, so um, I... So, Björning, this is why I don't, this is what, what I'm trying to get to is where I, how I don't think Boromir, like Boromir versus Aragorn really fits into the, um, an Amdir estelle divide. I'm trying to work out why, like my, my impulse there, my reaction to that, um, um, was no that that doesn't work. And I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think that through and see if that's, if I agree with that impulse or not. And I think I do. Um, uh, this doesn't mean that I think that Boromir's assessment is correct. I don't. Um, but I suspect that he would say that it's based on, Omdi, based on Estel. It'd be help if I could actually say the right words. Um, that it's based on Estelle. And I think he would be right to say that. Um, can you have Estelle in the wrong thing? You absolutely can. You absolutely can. It is true I'm suspicious of the allegory to some extent. Um, that is any kind of a a more purely allegorical reading is always gonna be reductionist. That's what Tolkien didn't like about it. Um, but um uh, but yeah, yeah, I think um uh I think that he does believe in Estelle and I absolutely do believe um, I absolutely do believe that um, I absolutely do believe that you can have wrongly directed Estelle. Estelle is merely it's hope, faith, trust you can place your faith and trust in the wrong things and hope that it is founded upon that faith and trust could be wrong um definitely definitely um yeah anyway um Yes. So, Bjorn, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Um, the idea of Estelle, which we've always regarded as unequivocally good, can be misleading or misconstrued. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I absolutely think so. Um, again, Estelle is good. But it has to be based on the... I mean, it it, it get, you have to be placing your trust in the right thing, right? Um, Elmeria, I was going to not go there, but let's go ahead and go there. Is it possible that, like, Sauron's followers have Estelle in him? I think that they could very well operate on a kind of Estelle. I'm not saying that they do. I don't know of any evidence to believe that they do. That might not be a kind of relationship that, in fact, is a thing. But, like, can I theoretically imagine that? Yeah, I can theoretically imagine that. But again, we don't I don't I'm trying to think of any moment where we can see that kind of trust being placed in and I don't I don't really see it. Um Yeah, Abelard I'm thinking about his cults in the East, which is one of the reasons that I'm thinking about this. Um uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Bjarne's owner, as far as we can see, the servants of the enemy that we hear from are all driven by self-interest or by fear um, or even by the dominating will of Sauron himself. I, I agree. I, I don't... Um, I'm trying to think of anybody who does anything else. Um, and... um Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a fascinating question, Arden Crayon. Does Gollum have Estelle that he will find the precious again? No. I don't think he does. I don't think he has Estelle. I don't think that there is something that he is trusting in and relying upon. Um, Gollum is driven by this gnawing desire. Right. Um with Estel, yeah, Gall is driven by need, not hope. Yeah, he's driven by um he's driven by uh fear, anxiety, distress. With Estel comes peace. I mean that's yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Boromir's horn, what a fascinating thought. Sauron teaches the Numenorians Estel and Morgoth. That's the closest I can think of. The teaching what we hear of them in the Akalabeth the teaching of Sauron when Sauron is teaching Pharazon about Lord of the Dark, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's the same either. And it is false. Surely. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't work. Right. Um, but that seems to be the kind of model that he's building. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's not the same. Um, it's not the same. We'll, we'll get there and be honest honor. One of the places we'll get is to the slide. We're going to talk about tonight. Um, But as usual, a worthwhile uh, uh, side trip. Okay. You speak of what you do not know when you liken Moria to the stronghold of Sauron, answered Gandalf. I alone of you have ever been in the dungeons of the Dark Lord, and only in his older and lesser dwelling in Dol Guldur. Those who pass the gates of Barad-Dur do not return. But I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. If there are orcs there, it may prove ill for us, that is true. But most of the orcs of the Misty Mountains were scattered or destroyed in the Battle of Five Armies. The eagles report that orcs are gathering again from afar, but there is a hope that Moria is still free. There is even a chance that dwarves are there, and that in some deep hall of his father's, Balin, son of Fundin, may be found. However it may prove, one must tread the path that need chooses. Okay, um... So, this speech by Gandalf, I personally find about 80% unconvincing. Um, that is, pretty much everything up until the last sentence <laughs> I find unconvincing. Um, there are kind of two different parts, I would say, to his response. First is when he's um, addressing the comparison with Barad-dur, right. Um, the second is when he is giving reasons for hope, and this is clearly Amdir hope, right—that things are going to turn out fine in Moria. And when he starts, um, uh, when he starts listing reasons to feel optimistic about this expedition. It's super weak, right? I mean, if there are orcs there, it may prove ill for us. Yeah, yeah, it certainly might. If the place is is uh, swarming with orcs, it it um it might not be great. But most of the orcs of the Misty Mountains were scattered or destroyed in the Battle of Five Armies. Yeah several orc generations ago and we learned Frodo heard rumors in the Shire (laughs) years ago uh, that the orcs have been returning to the Misty Mountains right now Gandalf does say um, the eagles report that orcs are gathering again from afar right he's like admittedly You've probably heard that orcs are not only have not only regained their numbers over the generations, but they're actually gathering. Not even so. It's not only the the orcs who live there that we might have to deal with. It's like import orcs, right? Um, But then he adds. But there is a hope that Moria is still free. Really, Gandalf? What are the percentages on that exactly, right? Um, yes, we know for a fa- we've been told for a fact that orcs are gathering from afar in the Misty Mountains. But, yeah, I mean, they're probably not in Moria, right? I'm sure it's fine. Uh, really? 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 Um, I... um, Okay. That seems weak. But weaker still is the next step. There's even a chance that dwarves are there. Yeah. Um, Really small chance. It's been how many years since the people in Erebor heard anything from the dwarves? I mean everyone was assuming at the council that you know, the dwarves are I mean, they're all presumed dead at this point, right? Um, so he first makes a weak argument and then he follows it up with a weaker argument. Um, then He finally says the one thing that makes sense, right? His argument, like the first sentence and the last sentence of it, work for me. But I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. However it may prove, one must tread the path that need chooses. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you there. That's the Estelle argument. One must tread the path that need chooses. Look, from where Gandalf is sitting, the Moria choice is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. There is no other option. We are being pursued. If we go by the long southward there is no chance we're going to escape. We are going to be found by the enemy, and he's going to recover the ring. Um, that's... Not an option, um, and it's going to take too long anyway. Not a year. He's exaggerating, I think, but um, but yeah. And since we're exactly we're back to Moria or Rivendell, Gandalf really believes that at this point, the path that has been opened in front of them, there's only one path, and that's Moria. It has to be Moria. Um, the only other candidate was Carathras. In January, which was a bad candidate, but still by Aragorn's argument, better than this one, right? But when it was proven that the door is that door is absolutely closed, then we do the one thing that is left and we trust in it. We walk into Moria with Estelle, believing that this is the thing we're supposed to do that getting to Mordor with a ring is the thing that we're supposed to do. And that if this is what we're supposed to do, then a way will be made open to us. And as bad as it looks, this is the only way that is being made open to us. And so therefore this is the way that we should go. That's an argument I can buy. Right. Um, Maybe there won't be any orcs, and uh, maybe the dwarves aren't all dead. That's not an argument (laughs) that I can buy. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Elamur, I don't know that Gandalf is actively trying to avoid Minas Tirith, but he certainly does not share Boromir's assumption. That the road goes through Minas Tirith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Interesting. Fourth Dauntless is wondering um, returning to the Estelle point, isn't it possible that the message here is to go south? That is, like, um, if we're playing the game as Gandalf seems to be, right? What is. What are we being told? What is the providential message message here, right? Caranthus is closed, and Fourth Dauntless says maybe the message is so. Southward road doesn't look great, admittedly, right? But um, uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, taking it through the uh, through the, the the gap of Rohan, risky, admittedly risky, right? But you know what else is risky? Moria. Right. So um, it seems to me that Gandalf's rationale, that his, his feeling here, his conclusion, is based on he has a clear and positive reason to believe that going south to the Gap of Rohan is a bad idea. Um, there is a lot of reason to fear what's going to happen in Moria. Um... But it's unknown. And that's what he emphasizes here. We don't know about orcs. We don't know about the dwarves. We're pretty sure the dwarves are dead. We have every reason to believe there are orcs there. But we don't know any of that, right? Um, Moria, so to speak, is a black box, right? Um, man, I can see why... Tolkien loved that name. Like, it just keeps paying off all the time. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of known unknowns. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Um, And Dizzy, you're right. His, his general approach is to do the unpredictable. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, also, remember, based on what, how Gandalf talks, and even how Elrond talks in the Council, um, their decisions are not purely driven by reason. Right. It's not just a matter of thinking it through and running the numbers. You know, um, there is also simply their conviction based on their familiarity with the music. Right. And I don't just mean i in fact, in this case, I don't mean at all Gandalf as a Lauren who would have been there and participated in the music of the Einor at the beginning. Um, I don't know that Gandalf even retains memories of that in his body right now. Um, I mean, his perception of the music in the same way Elrond has perceived the music, right? When you hang around for a few thousand years and you watch how things work out, you get a, you get a sense for how these things go. Right. Um, So again, I think that Gandalf's analysis here is not just a logical analysis. It's also, and again, if you think back, this is how he talks. You know, he says things like, a shadow fell on my heart then, right? Um, uh, it's not about, like, I, again, I, I thought it through and, and I came to this really firm conclusion. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, Gildalo, and I agree that there's, there's, there's an intuition here um, that he's working on. Um, And no, he's not going to be able to convince Boromir based on that. And I think it's pretty clear he doesn't expect to convince anybody of this. I think that's why he's reaching for such weak arguments. He can't give any argument better than we don't know for a fact that it's going to be a disaster, (laughs) right? We don't know for a fact that the dwarves are all dead. We don't know for a fact that the place is crawling with orcs. Um, It really might not be. Um, but, um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I agree, J.J., that comparing and contrasting Boromir and, uh, Edmund from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as the resistant member of the party and the basis of their resistance would be interesting. Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, right, as Matt points out, the irony, of course, is that the gap of Rohan is crawling with Urukai. Yes, exactly. Um, Boromir's uh, knowledge of the state of things in, in, in Rohan is a little bit outdated, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, but back to the first part of Gandalf's statement here. You speak of what you do not know when you liken Moria to the stronghold of Sauron. I alone of you have ever been in the dungeons of the Dark Lord, and only in his older and less and lesser dwelling in Dol Guldur. Those who pass the gates of Barad-dûr do not return. But I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. Um, okay. So... Um, I was suggesting that Boromir's comparison of entering Moria with knocking on the gates of Barad-Dur was tipping his hand a little bit, Um, at the very least betraying, if not actively hinting at Boromir's. Belief that their whole quest is a really, really dumb idea. Um, and, um, but as I was pointing out again just recently here, earlier today, he's not creating dissension. Boromir is still, even though he's now speaking against Gandalf. More openly and more fully than he ever has, he's still not causing a rift. He's not undermining Gandalf's authority. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he is objecting to Gandalf's plan. Um, and he's doing that openly, but he's not saying, I think that Gandalf is, you know, we've seen enough of Gandalf and I nominate myself for new leader of this company, right? He's definitely not, um, He's definitely not doing that. Um, He's not undermining the hierarchy. He's not trying even to undermine confidence in Gandalf um, himself, right? Um, What he's doing, however, is um, he's he's being indirect. The shade that he's throwing, the implication, the seed that he is planting, that this whole going to Mordor thing is actually insane. Um, it's still there. He's he's being indirect about it, but it's still there. Gandalf's response is equally indirect. Notice what he says. Um, B- Boromir, you don't know what you're talking about. And notice how he attacks. how he attacks Boromir's argument. Yeah, going through Moria sounds completely hopeless. You know how hopeless? As hopeless as, I don't know, trying to walk into Mordor. That's how hopeless, right? And Gandalf's response is, yeah, I've done that, actually. Right? Um, I have been in the dungeons of the Dark Lord. And by implication, I got out again. Right. Um, what you are saying by implication is a hopeless thing. I've accomplished something quite like it in the past before you speak of what you do not know. You don't understand how this works out. Um, and let me give you a glimpse of this. Right. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Notice that he also distracts. He diverts attention away. He responds to Boromir's statement, but he does so in such a way as to distract attention away from the thing that Boromir emphasized. Boromir emphasized their journey, right? Our being led by Gandalf into Moria is as bad an idea as, I don't know, in theory, Gandalf leading us into Mordor to knock on the gates of the Dark Tower. And I know that's not really the plan. They're gonna sneak, right? But um, but still, like, you know, just putting that out there, right? that it would be as crazy as that. Oh, wait, isn't that what we're doing? Yeah, kind of was your plan, wasn't it, Gandalf? Um, but notice what Gandalf does. Gandalf does not focus on either his leadership or on, um, not right away, I mean, or on the path that they are going to be taking, right? Um, again, rem- remember Boromir's words are... To enter Moria would be to walk into a trap, hardly, but are we walking into a trap? Where are we walking into? We're walking into Moria, we're walking into Mordor. These are Gandalf's, these are among Gandalf's plans, right? Gandalf doesn't talk about their walking. He just talks about the destinations, right? You speak of what you do not know when you liken Moria to the stronghold of Sauron. Let's just think about your comparisons. Let's not think about where we may or may not be walking, because that could threaten morale pretty significantly. Instead, let's think about the destinations. You just said that Moria was like Barad-dûr. Or rather, to be perfectly just to Boromir, if Sauron should be watching even the unlikely roads, then Moria under guard is like Barad-dûr. And Gandalf says... Um, no, no, it's not like that at all. When you really look at that, that's a silly comparison. Um, and his immediate emphasis is not just to, to, to explode the the parallel, to explode the comparison, but to emphasize Boromir's ignorance. You don't know what you're talking about. And he doesn't emphasize his ignorance about Moria. He could, Right he could be like oh come let us count the ways in which moria is different from barad-dûr right um, it's nothing like that at all in fact boromir come on now right but that's not where he goes instead he says you speak of what you don't know cuz you don't know the 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 gates of barad-dûr you don't know anything about the sauron of strong uh, the stronghold of sauron Right? The Stronghold of Sauron is a concept to you. Right? Have you ever been in Mordor? Boromir? Have you ever been to Barad-Dur? Pretty sure you haven't, on account of you're still here. Right? I have been in the Dungeons of the Dark Lord. I have, in fact, successfully infiltrated the Stronghold of Sauron previously. Right? Yes, it was his uh, B-list Stronghold. Right? But I infiltrated it nevertheless. Now, Baradur, nothing like that, right? Um, Baradur is worse. And yes, I saw people asking about his older and lesser dwelling. Why would he call it his older dwelling? Because yes, Baradur was rebuilt recently. But I think not only that, um, it's just it's where he was before. Um in an earlier stage of Sauron, just thinking from the perspective of the Third Age, because that's what we care about here, um, in an earlier stage of Sauron's plans of his development, right, um, Sauron's own power was lesser before he reestablished himself, moved back to Mordor, and reestablished himself in his center of power again. Right. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah so um, uh, so that it makes sense for him to call it for that reason both the older and the lesser dwelling Um, yeah Um, those who pass the gates of Barad-Dur do not return why does he say that? He's again. He says that he is asserting authority about Sauron's strongholds, right? And I think he is here responding to, um, to par- to give a sort of Gandalfian paraphrase: "Don't be a fool, right? Um, we are not knocking at the gate. We're not planning to knock at the gates of Barad-dur, Boromir, right?" That's not how this is going to go down. I'm not sure how this is going to go down, but I don't think it's going that way, right? Um, those who pass the gates of Barad-Dur do not return. Don't think I'm naive, right? Um, and again, this is one of those places where, I mean, you think back, of course, to Boromir's famous speech in the movie, right? The the um, You know, um, you know, you don't nobody walks into Mordor's speech, right? Um, And his whole description of what Mordor is like, which, again, I don't think Boromir has ever seen, in fact. Um, But um, in the movie, they have to explain all this, right? Because they're assuming that most of the people watching the movie aren't going to have the faintest idea what Mordor is, right? Um, In the book, Gandalf makes it clear that he does not need... um, you know, he does not need Boromir to, you know, uh, to 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 Gondor explain this to him, right? Um, he knows what knocking at the gates of Baradur is, and he's just shown that he knows much much better than Boromir himself what that would mean. Um, one of the things that I think he is saying here to Boromir is, look don't make the mistake of thinking that I have supported and am going along with and indeed leading the expedition into Mordor out of ignorance. Right. Um, don't don't, that's that is, it is not ignorance. I know more of Sauron and the stronghold of Sauron than you do. But knowing what I know, which is more than you, I'm doing it. I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. Right? That is the statement. Um, I am leading the way because there is hope. Is there Amdir? No. Um, I can give you nothing but uncertainty. And a fool's hope that maybe it's going to pan out. Right? Um, yeah, and Ilmar, um, I agree that um, Gandalf is saying that Boromir doesn't know Gandalf that well. Yes, exactly. Do you do? You, um, you seem to have gotten the impression that I'm incompetent, when in fact I'm just operating on a totally different level <laughs> from you here, right? I'm seeing things that you don't see. I'm anticipating things that you're not anticipating. I get that it doesn't make sense to you. I, I, I kind of understand your own frame of reference. And how, from within your frame of reference, the things I'm saying aren't making sense, and probably the things that Elrond said in the Council of Elrond aren't making sense to you either. I get that, right? But I want you to, I want you to, on some level, recognize, right, that there's more, there's more going on here. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, Um, right. Bjornason, or I agree, that it's true that Boromir is used to being the most informed person in the room, but he's very much not that here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um... Boromir is no wizard's pupil. That is exactly right. Um... Emily, it's hard to say um... the extent to which Boromir shares Denethor's contempt of wizards. Um... Or of Mithrandir specifically. Um... All I can say is that Boromir's early, you know, meeting of Gandalf, like when Boromir was younger, as Faramir remembers, um, does not seem to have filled him with awe, right? He is not acting toward, has not at any point acted towards Gandalf as if he's showing any kind of deference to Gandalf. Right? Can we go as far as saying that he has inherited his father's suspicions? I don't think um, we have much reason to say that yet. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that um, what we what we can see is. The absence of evidence that he treats Gandalf with reverence or respect. I mean, it's not that he treats him with disrespect, but again, with any special respect. As it sounds like Faramir probably would. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So again, the two sentences I come back to that seem to me most important here. I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. And, however it may prove, one must tread the path that need chooses. That's Gandalf's... If Gandalf's making an argument, that's his his pro-Moria argument right there. I am leading you into Moria. I wouldn't do this if there were no hope. Do you not see any hope in our coming out again? You just have to trust me. I mean, he is playing his own, not exactly authority card, but his own, like, he's, um, he's, Gandalf is cashing in some chips here. Not just with Boromir, but with everybody in the party, right? Everyone in the company. Um, If you have any trust for me at all, then hear me now. I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. Um, yes, the name of Moria is Black. Yes, there might be orcs there. Yes, there are probably orcs there. No, there's probably not any help. The dwarves are probably dead. We all know this. But we don't know those things, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know those things are true for a fact. But most importantly, you can trust me. Right? Um, you can trust me that I wouldn't do this if there were no hope. What grounds do I have? Should I share with you the grounds for hope that I have? Asks Gandalf. Well, here, I can give you some crumbs of Omdir. Um, we don't know for a fact that it's crawling with orcs. It might not be. Does that help? No? Okay. Hang on, let me try again. Um, there's a remote chance that some of the dwarves still survive. It's possible. Can't absolutely rule it out. Does that help? No? Then try this, which is all there is anyway. One must tread the path that need chooses. This is the path. Our path has been laid this way, as Sam is going to say later. And yes, I think that Sam on the Stairs of Curithungal is... Um, slant quoting Gandalf here. Um, Sam will come to a clearer understanding that in the end, you don't really choose your own path. The path is laid in a certain way, and your only choice is do you tread it or not? Do you go forward, or do you go through Moria, or do you go back to Rivendell? Right. Um. Um. Yeah, yeah. So, um. However, it may prove, whether there are dwarves or not, whether there are orcs or not, one must tread the path that need chooses. Um, this is the option that we've been given. Do we do it? I think we can't do anything else. Given that we set out on this quest in the first place, um, it's not like this has decreased our hopes. Our hopes (laughs) were in the toilet to begin with, right? Um, uh, but, um, But, you know, we still must leave forward. And I would not lead you into Moria if there were no hope of coming out again. He is saying, I have hope. I have hope. Which I believe there to be 100% Estelle. That's why he can't support it with good Umdir arguments. Um, he instead just gives the two bad Umdir arguments. Um, yeah. For Thalys, 100% agree. We should come back to this scene when Faramir tries to dissuade Frodo from approaching Kirithungul. Yes. There will be a very closely parallel situation. Um, yep, yep. Um, yeah, now Josh, I hear you. Um, I hear you that logic. This is this is a really important point, and this is it's picking up on things we were talking about before, too. Um, He says, I don't think Gandalf's proven anything other than that you can't rule out Moria just because it's a terrible idea. But by the same logic, you can't rule out the Gap of Rohan because it's also a terrible idea. Agreed. Or the road down to the south, which is an equally, but for a different reason, terrible idea. Yeah, completely. Completely. I agree. Um, This is where I come back to what I was saying before about intuition, right? even by saying one must tread the path that need chooses, by talking about need, right, I think that Gandalf is trying to simplify things. Remember how he phrased it when he was rejecting the Gap of Rowan. He said, the Gap of Rowan is closed to us so long as we go with the bearer. It's closed to us. Like Carathras has been closed, right? Um, he is putting... The gap of Rohan into the same bucket as Karathras, right? Um, Karathras has, it's been, it's physically impassable. It is not possible uh, for us to cross over the mountains. That's clear, right? There is not, Josh, just as you suggest, there is not an equal impossibility of going to the gap of Rohan. It's just really dangerous and would be really foolish to bring the ring so close to Saruman. That would be very, very foolish. But then again, so is going through Moria, right? So um, I agree. I totally agree with that. Again, this is why I believe Gandalf knows the kind of Amdir that he has. Sorry, I keep saying the wrong thing. The kind of Estelle that he has. The reading of providence that he's doing, the the reading of the patterns of the music, the intuition that he and Elrond are both operating on is something that they know not everybody's going to succeed. Remember what Frodo says when Gandalf talks about providence back in chapter two and suggests that the idea that providence is leading in this, inter- this direction might be comforting, right? And Frodo's like, it is not a comforting thought, right? Frodo... Um, does not... Um, uh, Frodo does not... is not comforted by that at all. Right? Um, yeah. I agree, Josh. I That's what I'm getting around to trying to explain. Josh is just saying, we just have to trust Gandalf because he's got providence in his ear. I'm cool with that, but that's not the argument he keeps making. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. What is the difference between what it appears his convictions are based on and what he's actually saying. Um, Both times, both the gap is closed to us and one must tread the path that need chooses. In both cases, he is trying to make it sound like this is the only option. uh, This bad option is our only option. And so as bad as it might seem, it's still better than nothing. It's still better than 100% guaranteed defeat and failure, which is what going back to Rivendell means, right? Um, why doesn't Gandalf just make the statement clearer? Why doesn't he just say, well, have Estelle, folks. Trust me. Um, Providence is leading us in this direction. Um, some other powers at work here... It'll work out. Why doesn't he just say that? I think he doesn't say that because he knows there's no point in saying that. Like they they can't see it. They'll come to see it again. Sam and Frodo will both of them understand this by the end of the story. Even Merry and Pippin will come to understand this much better by the time they get to the end of the story, right? Um, but. They don't... He can't... He knows... He's not going to convince anybody making that argument. Um, Even at the Council, there wasn't any convincing that happened. There was just Elrond's assertion, we must send the ring to the fire. Parentheses. Trust me. Right. Um... and yes Dolorous stroke i agree that's very important he needs to persuade them and have them trust in and ha- and have them trust in him without promising a happy ending yeah absolutely because that is totally not guaranteed right um yeah yeah um yes he's not promising that at all because he's listen to the music for a long time. He knows how this works. And again, Sam himself is going to come to understand how the fact that stories don't always have happy endings, at least not what people in the stories would call a happy ending, um, how that is relevant to their position. Right? Um yeah um i think i really sphinx i i am um, i'm looking at uh sphinx and uh Lapita who are talking about stuff here about free will um Yeah, okay, so I'm going to go back a stage. So Aspen was saying, um, I have discomfort about need. Could it turn into means justify the ends? Um, In some ways. Sphinx was saying, yes, that's why it matters whether we're sacrificing ourselves as willing volunteers or forcing others to die. Yes, agreed. Lupita was then saying her problem is with must, um, with all the value put in free will. With all the as I agree, much emphasis was placed on that. But remember what that means. F- the free will, the will that was important was are you gonna walk the road or not? Are you gonna are you willing to take this burden on yourself? Um again it's exactly not. It's so funny. I um, I find the Peter Jackson movies of the Lord of the Rings so amazing because I love them and I think they do a marvelous, marvelous adaptation job. But so many times, so many times when I'm looking carefully at the book, I'm like, it's exactly the opposite of what Peter Jackson did with him. Um, and this is one. Free will is not putting Frodo at the front of the party and making him choose whether they take the left or the right hand turning or pretend to be the one choosing the left or right hand turning, right? Um, that's not free will. That's not the kind of free will we're talking about. The kind of free will we're talking about, the kind of free will that's important here is, yes, I will take this on myself. I will be the bearer of the ring. Um... Yes, I'm going to go forward instead of back. Again, y- the, your path is laid in a particular way. There's only so much choice you actually have about how things go, right? Um, but you do have a choice on whether you go forward or whether you go back, right? Um, again, both, Gan- both you know, and Elrond and Gandalf, and also Sam later on, are going to. Um, be thinking about this, right um, and um yeah, yeah, um they Gandalf is telling them, we need to go this way again, okay, I don't Gandalf's not lying exactly Josh, i'm still I'm still. Kind of thinking because I, I, Josh, you are absolutely not wrong. You are absolutely not wrong that the, um, one could very easily say whatever Gandalf wants to say about Moria could equally well be said about the Gap of Rohan. Right. Um, but, um, but I think that what he's not he's not giving them all the explanations here. He's not saying, look, I just, this is my intuition. This is where we need to go. Remember, he said to Aragorn, um, and he just said at the beginning of this conversation that his heart told him they were going to be going this way all along. He's had an intuition about Moria from the very beginning. He thought this was the way, even though it never didn't seem like a dumb idea. Right. Um, And yet he does talk about needing to disappear. That's a reason. Um, That's like one of the pro-Moria arguments, right? Um, It's not really a reasons why we think we'll survive argument, but it's a reason to do it argument. Um, Gandalf, though, is... Gandalf and Tolkien also are both of them more or less at the same time, Um, very unwilling to just point to Providence openly. To just say, dude, have faith. Um, Remember the comment that Gandalf makes that I always think is hilariously funny um, to Frodo in The Shadow of the Past when he says, I can put it no plainer than to say that Bilbo was meant to find the ring. No planer? Not possible. Can't you, though? Couldn't you, if you tried really hard, put it just a touch plainer than that? Right? Um But no. No. He um uh, he can't be apparently plainer than that, right? And he's not being plainer than that here either. Um, he's not hiding it. He's not lying to them and he's not hiding it. Um, but he doesn't go there. He never is plainer than that. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. Um. So, Josh, at the end of the day, he is simply saying, and again, this is one of the things I think he's setting up with the whole stronghold of Sauron thing, in part, is trust me. Trust me. One must tread the path that need chooses. Need has chosen this. Um, any counter argument you might want to make, Josh, <laughs> right, about the Gap of Prohan, right? No. Trust me. Trust me. This is need's choice. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Anyway, okay. Uh, With that, I think we should end for today. Um, We'll see where we go from here, of course. It's almost time for Aragorn to say his piece again, which, given the last rather discouraging thing Mr. Estelle said, um, will be interesting to see in the context of that. Um, All right, so um, uh, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. It's field trip time. Glad you guys could all be here. Um, For those of you who are here just for the book discussion, um, thanks for joining us. Um, For everyone else, let's go on the field trip. here, let me fix my game here, which is which I'm gonna to have to redo. There we go. All right.
1: Good evening.
0: Good evening, Valoria. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay. Am I coming in all right?
0: Yes. Yes you are.
1: All right. So where are we off to today?
0: Um, um, same farm. Same farm. Same okay. farm. We still have uh, one, maybe two more sessions with that farm as our home base. It's an extremely convenient home base. <laughs> Let's see.
1: Still
0: adding people to the raid. Right. All right. So let me look at the map in just a second here. As I'm coming back in. So yeah, let's uh, what kind of review? Because without the map, I'm going to mess up all the names. So,
1: <laughs> so I I, have, I was thinking about Boromir on this one. And um, I think something all a lot of us can relate to now, after uh-huh. the last three years, is the fact that this entire time Boromir's been in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sure. that just does a lot to your ability to plan ahead. It's It's just your... I mean, that's it's made him resourceful. We can see that it's he's incredibly savvy when it comes to, you know, getting around and stuff and and just making quick decisions that can save lives.
0: And that's, of course, even true on a in a broader sense. Right. Like his country is on the brink of destruction. Right. Gondor is in survival mode. He is the captain of the, you know, he's the general, the captain general of the armies of Gondor. And Gondor is in survival mode. Right. And has been Mm -hmm. uh, for years. Um, So, yes, it's very, um, uh, it's very um, extreme times, extreme circumstances. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So but with that resourcefulness comes sort of a sense of uh, I don't know, almost scrupulousness Mm -hmm. and just judgment calls that make sense in the moment but might not make sense long-term.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. And some things that seem important are gonna, like, uh, longer-term consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Using the ring is a really bad idea because the long-term consequences of using the ring could be really bad. That's a hard argument, that, that argument's not going to play real well with somebody who's like, "Yeah, but we're being destroyed today, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, anyway, okay, uh, looking at the map here in Cardolan. Uh oh, so yeah, we've been we've been in Skerlock Farm here, or we've been starting from Skerlock Farm. We've been going clockwise around Skerlock Farm. We were down in Nimbarth last time, and we were looking at um, ruins across this little inlet. Um, across into Sedgemead So that's what we're going to do. So today we're going to go back to Scarlock. We're going to head down to Nimbarth. And then we're going to, uh, from that perspective, cross and see. If I'm tr- trying to get a sense of the, uh, um, the sort of uh, r- economy of the ruins down here to see if we can get a sense of what this area was back in the older days. Um so we're gonna we're gonna look through Sedge a little bit there at the ruins there. Um, and then we'll head back we we'll down towards Tharbad. after no yeah, we're, to, that's not <laughs>
1: it looks tonight. like we're all assembled here at Skrill You are, yeah, sorry.
0: I was just looking at the map and I'm not there yet. Uh, sorry, so I'm gonna try to
1: add you to raid to no success. So
0: Oh sorry. Yeah, I, I apologize. I was looking at a different screen. Um <laughs> okay. I'm here. Right.
1: i got to wait until you finish loading. Okay. Oh, there you are. Okay. Here I
0: am. Okay.
1: okay. Let me do the raid real quick so we can follow you.
0: Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we're heading back south again towards Nimbarth, whose tower we can see right off there in the distance. And as I recall, we wanted to get not down. The, I tried to go down that canyon, and it didn't end well. Oops, yeah. but it's going to end better than going way up here, from which there is no
1: oh, returning.
0: Here. Yeah, okay. I guess it gets further down. Our, no, right, that's yeah, the ravine her. down there. There's the river.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Inlet like down we got there. got a little red Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, so, yeah, so as I recall, we went down this uh, left-hand side, the east bank of that little inlet, to get to Nimbarth uh-huh. last time, and we ended up having to go over this little hill, because there was no way down. Now, yes, that's a ravine there was no way down into. So we ended yes. up going over. And there again, we can see the ruins oh uh, yeah so we go over this little rise and then down into nimbarth oh there we go okay here we are there is nimbarth so
1: Whoa.
0: we go. All right, so actually just looking from here.
1: Yeah, nice view.
0: Yeah, okay. So it's the ruins on the west bank of this little inlet that we didn't get to last time. So we Mm -hmm. were looking at Nimbarth itself off in the distance there, and its towers, and we could see there was definitely older stuff and some newer stuff. Um, Rowan, that tower does look a bit like a lighthouse. We were looking at it from a little too close up to notice that last time, but it does look like um, it may have possibly been a lighthouse. Um, I agree, Rowan. I think that it mostly... My suspicion is that this probably was... that lighthouse might have been original. Like Just that there would be a lighthouse on the river here uh, for the ships coming up makes a certain amount of sense. Um... And that this whole little port mini-city would uh, grow up around it makes sense. That that seemed to happen during the days of Arnor, of old, um, seems very likely, based just on the rationale of things. Remember, one of the questions I was asking was, why would they build this little port town when they already had Tharbad, which was their major port, um, just a little bit further down the river? Um, but um, uh, but anyway... Um, then there's, uh, but, but I said there's this other stuff across the river that I wanted to see if we could get a sense of the role of um, um, this, Darn it, what, uh, Nimbarth. Yeah, I've already forgotten the name of the town <laughs> we're looking at. Um, uh, a, a little bit more about what we can learn about Nimbarth by looking at the, um, uh, these ruins across the way and then working our way over towards Tharbad. So again, we can try to see, can we understand in any way the relationship between Nimbarth and Tharbad in Arnor of old and how that might have been in, um, sort of involved and incorporated into um, uh, into the newer Kingdom of Cardolan?
1: Certainly, yeah. Well, let's use the, the Remains of Daylight while we still have it.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we don't have too much of it, do we? All right. I think that many of the t- I'm trying to. Okay, hang on. At the risk of taking a little bit more time, um, looking up at that lighthouse tower. Do we think that's newer or older? Oh, I'm I'm kind of thinking newer. Hmm.
1: I haven't seen that design before, and it doesn't look like any of the beacons up north we've seen.
0: No, like the oldest stuff here is all of the like gazebo platform kind of variety here. Yeah.
1: Um, Not those little I think fluted that tower up the is side. More.
0: Um, I don't see, like, you know one of the Cardolan Towers would be a smoking gun, and I don't see any any architectural smoking gun on that tower. But it looks newer to me. I... I
1: yeah, I haven't seen that fluted design on the side
0: No, before. it's very unusual. Yeah. Um,
1: is that an oil reserve? What is that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, um...
1: Maybe a bell?
0: An alarm bell? It does look like it could be a... If it's not a lighthouse, it could be a bell tower.
1: Like a, yeah, a carillon or something.
0: It could be a bell tower. And which would mean that this was not just a trading post, but a post from which advanced warning would be given, to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um All right. Well, let's see what we see. Yeah. So th- from here, this is where I wanted to cross, because there was a, i remember we were looking at a little bridge. There's a little bridge, or the mm-hmm. ruins of a bridge, up this away. As we left Nimbarth and we're heading yeah. inland, we got some ruins over there. We got mm-hmm. some—where was the bridge? There's the bridge business. There's
1: the bridge, yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, so we're it almost lea- looks like a like a harmonica laid sideways. Like the wind's gonna whip through there and make some kind of like whistling noise.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So um, all right. So we're leaving Nimbarth and we're heading this bridge. One makes a bridge like this on a road. So the question is, oh, is- mind the gap. Yeah, mind the gap, indeed. Wow. That's really kind of pulled away from... uh, Yeah, it's more... right. So, the question first is, what road was this? Like, between what and what? Um, Huh. It could be Nimbarth that you go upstream, up the inlet from Nimbarth until it gets narrow enough. I mean, it's a little bit wider, further down. You could -hmm. could have built it a little further south than this, but whatever. I'm not going to nitpick. Um... If if you build the the bridge up here, it would be equally convenient to go to. um, Remember the Everstead, that was the name of it up here. The the little, so it would go to Everstead and down to Nimbarth. It it would serve both almost equally, from here. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yes. So that makes a certain amount of sense, Um, but um, okay. So where's it going to on the other side?
1: Um, that's a good question. Out? Maybe it's just safe harbor? Um, uh, maybe. Ah!
0: <laughs> Noggin stones? Okay. Noggin stones. No, no, Noggin stones?
1: What does that mean?
0: Strange. What a peculiar name. Um... Okay, big so we immediately get. Alright. The columns flanking either side of this road.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Whoa, big ward. Hmm. That's a diseased okay. one. I'd hate to see a well one.
0: Yeah. Okay, what are we seeing here?
1: Oh, big ribcages.
0: Colum-
1: <gasps>
0: columns along the side. Yep. And then up to...
1: Little gazebo plinth thing over here.
0: What was this stuff?
1: Towers? That... I don't know. It looks like a rock slide or some kind of a mud slide took care of most of it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I can't tell what most of this was supposed to be.
0: I think this hall up here with the large bones out in front of it yeah, are, I think this is new. Mm-hmm. I think this is new. I think these brown collapsed towers with the wooden beams sticking out of them are newer. And again, by new, I still mean, you know, only a thousand years yeah. old. Uh,
1: yeah. um, what kind of creature has antlers like that? I don't think we've seen anything that looks like this creature.
0: And that head is not proportionate to these rib cages or femurs, anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, that looks like the big stags you get in. Um, what is
0: up with that helm? I don't know. Random. It's like an enormous uh, helmet sitting here.
1: Looks like a dwarf helmet. And there's markings on this stone I don't think we've seen before. Hmm. Looks like a sun motif. Yeah. And a dwarven head. Or a bearded head with a helmet.
0: Maybe. I think that these designs, they are different. It does look like yes, uh, I agree. Like a helmeted head, helmeted bearded head, um, and then a sun motif. I agree, but I think it's it's meant to convey the style, like the Paleolithic, st- you know, the like the down style.
1: Yes, it so, matches the helmet more correctly though. Uh. Oh, and there's a big shield and a sword back there, too.
0: What? There's another helmet. More markings.
1: More just little circular pips decorating a spiral motif. Yeah. Um, Makes me want to get a look at Enidwaith again, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this would fit. Um, mammoth, mammoth would have mammoth would have ribs this size,
1: or an auroch maybe.
0: I don't think so. I think it's too big for an auroch. It's too
1: big. You think it's a mummock?
0: I think it's a. I think thing? it's it's a mammut or a, or, or one of the mammoths from the from the north, um, which I still want to ride. Just saying. Yeah, Um, seriously. But, um... What matters most... What matters more than the... What matters more than exactly what animal these came from is the fact that these bones seem to have been arranged by the ancient people who erected these stones, which clearly, no matter which epoch this building is from, massively um, predate anything else. And yet, with this building was built, these sites remained undisturbed, even though cozied right up against the outside. Of, I mean, like some care was taken in this construction, not to disturb these sites.
1: It makes me wonder if maybe these sites were defiled early on, but then after some great tragedy, they were restored as like maybe an apology.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean I don't see how it would just dis- survive this destruction unless it came afterwards.
0: It is difficult. I mean, so you're thinking this might be a Paleolithic reconstruction. By somebody
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like you know they, they they just sort of put the buildings here and they just cleared it away and threw it in the rubbish bin and then all hell started breaking loose literally and they just right. like okay here it is here's your skull back here's your rib cage back you know are we yeah. good
0: yeah based on uh previous records we think there was an antlered skull more or less here and um
1: Oh, one yeah. of these are giant ribcage. I mean, we've seen giants up in the north.
0: But oh, the humanoid giants.
1: Yeah, the humanoid giants.
0: Possibly. The 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 key thing is whatever it is, it doesn't live around here nowadays. Right? No. I mean, yeah. there isn't any creature in Cardo and the Trollshaws, the Lone Lands anywhere I, around here. Yeah.
1: It's like every ghost story you hear, you know, they compounded this place. And they found a really interesting skull, and they stuck it up over the mantelpiece, and now the house is cursed. Yeah. yeah. Very Borley rectory, you know.
0: Okay. Now, we've seen the people of Cardo. Okay. I think, wow, this opens up an entirely new frontier. We have seen mm-hmm. the people of New Cartilan building their cities in the middle of ancient burial grounds Mm
1: -hmm.
0: up there in Tirn-Gorthod and Mm Dahl-Ernil right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially Um, Tirn-Gorthod Gorthod, sorry Um, so this is now raising the new possibility that I hadn't even really considered when we were there. Did they build it around it or did they just build them? Did they in fact reconstruct those burial grounds and all of those standing stones and everything? Did the Numenorian did the Card, did, did the Cardolan folks themselves erect all of those standing stones and hinges and burial oh, based
1: grounds on what and they things? think the paganism might have been or based on yes. their observations? We sort Was of it like, like recreating a... history like the Victorians and the Iron Maidens and stuff?
0: Yeah. Was it exactly? Was it like a Reconstructionist move? Was it like a, like a, like a pagan revival movement in Cardwell?
1: It, ex- it would explain why all of the burial sites we've seen were in such good condition.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: It's, I'd um, say it's probably a mix of the two. They probably there were probably some genuine old burial grounds there, and then they just started to ape them. But this is like nothing we've seen yet.
0: And the thing that really suggests that to me here is the way they're built flush up against the walls, like because if you look at the whole thing, right? Like this one with the two sets of ribs, and yeah. there's a there's a there's like a hollow space inside.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right, but it's spilling out of the ruins too.
0: Exactly. So I mean, that means that this whole thing, like this whole thing that I'm standing on, these rocks I'm standing on right here that are up against the walls, are part of it, right? Yeah. This is not, and it was built up against the walls. You couldn't, this couldn't have been a freestanding thing and then we're like, we're gonna snuggle our walls right up against it, like that's just, that's not possible.
1: Uh, yeah, that ludicrous clearly, when you think of it that way.
0: Yeah, clearly this was built after the walls. Yeah, has to have been. That wasn't true. At least it didn't strike me in any of the places that we saw in uh, saw in um, uh, Tirn Gorthod. Yeah, um, they were They weren't yeah.
1: like organically fused.
0: Right. I mean, we were even at that time asking questions like, why would you build your city smack in the middle of you know this old burial ground? Like, what you know? Why would you integrate? the burial ground into your city um but um, what if they didn't what if instead uh, they built faux nouveau burial grounds
1: well and the other question is an unlawed study comes up with a good thing here it says we have intelligent works and um that's similar to what i was thinking too i mean we do know the works are somewhat sentient you don't this is something they set up or just found yeah and started putting bones at like maybe the maybe the runes were put here by the the or restored by the cartilginians but the bones could have I don't know it definitely seems more doggy in nature
0: yeah I'm coming around to the other side here.
1: We don't know much about their practices, if any.
0: No. None of them would.
1: Werewolves? I don't think... Have we really seen werewolves yet? I haven't got to Moria yet. Yeah.
0: I don't think we have.
1: Do we know what Noggin Stones means? No. be a reference to those stones there the carved
0: ones yeah it it well could um okay everything i'm seeing up here so i am pretty close to 100 percent convinced that this is all new this is all Cardolan stuff. And the thing that convinces me more than anything else is the Nouveau Paleolithic burial grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, that weird affinities with cults of death is associated with a decline in Numenorian society is yep. clearly established. Um, that the people of Cardolan had gone in the um, creepy, necromantic direction, Had we already had reason to suspect that, from the various necropolises we have found already in this area, and, more importantly, all of that weird burial ground stuff that was going on in Tirn Gorthod, which we know to have been their capital. Yeah, um, the
1: necromania.
0: Yeah, exactly. So... I'm the opposite of shocked to find the evidence that we found here, that they are, that they were um, building their own, you know, uh, old burial sites.
1: Do you think at this point they're making up stuff, though? Or do you think this is based on some stuff they found here?
0: There might be real archaeology involved. It's possible look another bridge
1: there Don't could be see. real archaeology more like
0: that it's yeah like Two broken I, bridges. yeah exactly that, got another one
1: that here. seems like carelessness
0: <laughs> um <Sorry. laughs> oscar wilde reference
1: yes <laughs> yes
0: yes i love that line Thank you. Um, it's a it's an importance of being earnest line for those who don't know it. To lose one parent uh, might be... Oh, what did she say? Might be uh, might
1: be considered a tragedy. Might
0: be considered a tragedy, but to lose both your parents begins to look like carelessness. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So once again, the road is not here. But I think... I think all of this stuff, I'm not seeing much evidence of too much of anything that is clearly old Arnor down here. Yeah. But I might change my mind over here on the other side of the bridge. Oops, it's late. Um,
1: yeah, hi. I agree, Amathorn. Aragorn's inherited quite an infrastructure problem.
0: Yes, for sure. Um,
1: Definitely have a Minister of Transportation. Oh, golly. What the heck. Whoa, Nelly. It's an umphalos.
0: I was not expecting this.
1: Me neither. Is this a fountain?
0: Um, uh, maybe? Weird. Very weird. Hang on a second. I'm not looking more closely at it, because we're, like, totally out of time. What <laughs> I'm wanting to do is go up to higher ground, if I can make it to higher ground, and, uh, look about to see, oh, yeah. Um, are there other ruins close by? Yes. Oh, man. I'm going with yes, there are. So, Good gravy. Wow, there's a lot over here. This whole southern coast. And that's still Nimbarth there with the lighthouse slash yep. bell tower. Um, okay. Wow. All right. So there's a lot here. We'll continue our exploration of Sedge Mead next time. Hmm. But I'm beginning... I feel like I'm beginning to get a picture here, but we'll keep fleshing it out. I have more questions and answers. Yeah, next time we'll start with this weird thing here. (laughs) I'm also... Remind me to talk about, look how this place looks like it was burned. Yep. And we've seen several ruins in Carnaline. That look like they bear the um, the the memory of flames. Um, mm-hmm. Remind me, remind me to talk about that next time. I'm developing a theory. Okay. Um. Yeah, developing a theory. Uh, theory of flames. Okay. It. All right. All right. Um. But yeah, we'll look through the rest of Sedgmead, which was apparently a metropolis once upon a time as we continue working our way through towards Tharbad. I had no idea there was so much stuff down here. Wow. Okay. Thanks everybody for joining us. Really fun, fascinating discoveries. The archeology span we did today really, that was a classic find here today. Um, (laughs) But um, anyway, uh, Thanks for joining us, and we will see you guys. I should be here next week. I got a couple weeks in a row. I'll be going away again later on this summer, um, but um, but I should be here as far as I know for the next couple weeks. So, um, looking forward to seeing you guys again next week. Um, thanks, everybody. Bye now.
1: Bye.